Last season, Manchester United finished third in the Premier League and they won the League Cup. That made for an encouraging first season under Eric Ten Hag, but a 7-0 hammering by old foes Liverpool at Anfield was a sign that all was not well. Fast forward a few months and United are out of Europe before Christmas. They're 10 points behind Jurgen Klopp's Reds. Could Sunday's trip to Anfield spell doom for Ten Hag or will the Dutchman limp along for a bit longer? I'm Kevin Hatchard and this is Football Only Better. A very warm welcome to my top tipping team, starting with Mark O'Hare. Mark, disastrous result and performance against Bayern in midweek. Played with no belief, played so slowly. And Bayern, who did pick their strongest available 11, won it at a canter, really, didn't they? Yeah, I, I think that's fair. Um, you know, just the one goal, but particularly in, the, in that first half, there was at least two opportunities where balls were flashed across the box in presentable areas. And if the, if the final ball had been on point or the finishing touch had been a bit more accurate or uh, Leroy Sane had, had taken his opportunity when he ran into the box a little bit earlier, then yeah, it could have been a, a lot uglier for United who, because of the, the situation they were in, were supposed to be proactive. They were supposed to be front foot and, and fighting for their lives in the Champions League, but they, they barely kind of scratched the surface against a Bayern side who were obviously motivated to, to right the wrongs of their weekend thrashing but as you said a little left to play for they'd already sealed top spot in that pool so that was the, the 13th Man United defeat in 23 games across all competitions this season uh, which already eclipses the 12 losses from 62 games last season in the Premier League they're rated as a bottom half team on expected points um, they're actually a bottom six team when playing away on XP uh, only four clubs are facing more shots than Man United it's quite embarrassing really so yeah this is a uh, Going to be a difficult task for them. Let's say, let's say that. Um, and you know the market agrees because Liverpool, I think, are going off the shortest they've ever been at home to Manchester United on Sunday. It's probably justified based on what we've seen so far this season. This match taking place at Anfield, where Liverpool are a, a formidable beast. They're seven from seven in the league this season, averaging three goals per game. Uh, one of my favourite stats is you know since 2018-19, they've won 78% of their 102 Premier League home matches. They've lost seven times in that streak. Um, six of them came in consecutive matches, but that was during the COVID season when there was no supporters at Anfield. So in front of fans, they've lost just once in the Premier League since 2018-19, which is outrageous. Um, the home record against United is is very strong. 4-0 and 7-0 shellackings handed out in the last two seasons alone. Um, United haven't even scored at Anfield in the last four visits. So you can see why the market is anticipating a, a one-sided contest here. And I think the needle points even further in Liverpool's direction because of the suspension of, of Bruno Fernandes coming into this game, who, you know, despite all the criticism, deserved criticism of his leadership qualities, has been producing more often than not on the pitch. He's actually accounted for or had been involved in 33% of United's league goals. He also ranks first for chances created and second for expected assists in the Premier League as a whole. So um, taking his kind of creative license out of this team is an issue, as is the injuries picked up in midweek, where we saw Harry Maguire go off, Luke Shaw go off. There's hope that Lindelof might be fit, but it's not guaranteed. Mason Mount as well. Um, United are going to be patched up for this match, and their record, as we've talked about previously, 
away at teams who have finished in the top nine last season and this season is absolutely appalling. They've played 11 times against teams to finish in the top nine. They've taken one point from those 11 away games, uh, which is scandalous, really. Quite often or not, they're conceding heaps of goals in those fixtures too. So, you know, it's it's very difficult to be positive about United. Um, what I would say from a Liverpool perspective is they haven't completely convinced um, in terms of performance levels in recent weeks. They were quite fortunate to escape against Fulham a fortnight ago. Sluggish in open play, struggled to great chances then and looked quite vulnerable, I thought, in the counter-attack against both Sheffield United and Palace, uh, but managed to get away with it. And, you know, they are, they're not really playing like Premier League leaders right now, but um, I think that's possibly a positive. They, they should, in theory, get better as the season goes on. But um, they have been quite reliant on late goals. But, you know, you look at the firepower they have at their disposal, um, it almost doesn't really matter what the opponents do for, for 60, 70 minutes. They've got that ability to win matches later on. Um, so they do need to have an improvement, but um, you do expect them to be comfortable winners here based on what we've seen, based on all the evidence so far this season. So, you know, they are short-priced favourites. So I've kind of delved into the bet builder here for my preferred play. I'm going to back Liverpool to win, and then I'm going to dip into the, the, uh, the foul buckets uh, and include Alexi McAllister and Diogo Dallo each to commit at least one foul that boosts the Liverpool win price to six to four, which I think is actually quite attractive here. And, you know, we talk about McAllister. I think he's a terrific signing, but I don't really like him. I don't think you're getting the best out of him in the deepest of a, of a midfield three, which, yeah. you know, he's having to operate for Liverpool. You know, at Brighton, he was so successful with Caicedo doing the dirty work. And I think his skill set is better suited to playing a little bit further forward. But He's in that role for now for Liverpool um, and his foul numbers are, are terrific. He's committed at least one foul in 12 or 14 league starts, averaging 1.81 per 90. Very strong. And then he's you've got Diego Dalla, who's committed a foul in 11 of 14 Premier League starts, plus three or five starts in the Champions League. I'm presuming he's operating at left back here with Shaw out and Wan-Bissaka over on the right-hand side. That would put him up against uh, Salah, uh, Shobosly and, and, and Trent. Uh, Salah and Shobosly are amongst the top four most foul Liverpool players. Uh, um, you know, we know Diego Dallo's character um, and tendency to, to get involved in it. So, um, yeah, quite happy to sort of side with those two alongside a home win. Odds compiler, tipster and silky smooth amateur footballer Mark Stinchcombe is with us once again. Stinch, injuries and illness, yes, for Manchester United. No doubt about that. They've been really unlucky in that regard. But there's no discernible pattern of play. It's quite interesting. I was preparing for a United game the other day and I listened to a lot of podcasts by kind of data guys, tactics guys who follow United a lot. And the overwhelming idea was that in the first season, yes, Ten Hag made some compromises. David De Gea kicking long because he couldn't bring the ball out from the back. But generally, you could understand where Ten Hag was trying to get to. This season, the overall consensus seems to be he's just abandoned all of that. Um, yeah, I'm not an avid Man United watcher week in, week out. So I, I don't know um, the the how much the this is falling down on Ten Hag. What I would say is, you know, Man United have been not the Man United that we've all grown up with for over 10 years now. So it's not anything new. And you wonder about some of the signings. Are they from the manager or are they from above? For example, you know, to spend, what, 60-odd million on, on Mason Mount, who plays in the same position as Bruno Fernandes, like... That does that to me isn't isn't a co cohesive plan. Um, 
they they brought in Amrabat and I'm not sure if it was because of injuries or not, but sometimes he's been playing at fullback, which is not his position and then being hooked um, at halftime. Uh, McTominay seems to randomly have been turned into Alan Shearer for, for this season. And um, he's only basically being called upon when either Ericsson's out or Casemiro's out. Um, well, they're kind of not- using him as a box crasher, aren't they, really? But he's not very good in build-up. So you can kind of understand them pushing him a bit further forward. But I think the main thing is, how is he getting into what's supposed to be one of the elite sides in Europe? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And then there's, you know, the the downturn in, in Rashford's form. Um, even Fernandez, I think Fernandez uh, might have mentioned about his underlying numbers, but I still think he's only got one assist maybe this season, or it's one assist at Old Trafford or something mad like that. Uh, Hoyland has, has looked good in, in stages, but probably isn't being fed uh, well enough. Um, yeah, I just I just think the in whole... In terms of the ball, not in terms of at home. <laughs> yeah, not being yeah. like starved at home. <laughs> okay, um, for you, Rasmus. Oh, okay. I, um... I think it's just the whole thing is a is a complete mess. Like, you know, they've brought in Onana uh, to change the style of play completely. And yeah, he's made a couple of mistakes, but that seems to have been the main focus that he's made a few mistakes rather than actually long-term. That was, he was trying to do the right thing and he's just made been caught sense. out. Yeah. Um, not that I'm bothered, you know, like as, as you, as you said, I think you said last week or midweek, Kev, like you, we grew up watching Man United win everything. So it's quite funny to see. Oh, the, it's the really opposite. funny. It's <laughs> genuinely really funny. And, and oh, uh, I think, I think that, and I think probably the funniest thing is there's no like end in sight of it ever changing. Like, um, you know, say 10 years now since Ferguson left. And in my mind, we've that there's, there's they, yes, they've picked up a couple of trophies, but you know, it's FA cups and Europa leagues, right. Rather than, uh, you know, a big title. Um, and yeah, I don't see it changing in any time in the near future, uh, just because, yeah, there's not a cohesive plan and not a cohesive plan that is stuck to for a, for a decent period of, of time. Um, having said that with Liverpool at 1.35, you know, Liverpool, were um, opened up around about four to seven, eight to 13. It's very difficult to try and find something value, even like an extreme thing, you know, like, um, if it, we, it's difficult for for me to turn up here and say, yeah, Liverpool are going to win by three or more goals. Like that's not something that you can consistently claim will happen at a at a, and it's not at a decent price because Liverpool are so short. So it's very difficult to find some wriggle room to manoeuvre. All the odds suggest Liverpool win comfortably. So then to find value, you need to look sort of outside of the box. But you know, with the injuries and the the, the poor performances, it's difficult to. F- to want to be on, you know, unders or, or uh, not Liverpool winning. But as Mark, and as Mark says, Liverpool haven't played well. You know, I, I watched both the games um, last week away at Palace and away against Sheffield United. Could conceivably come away of two draws from both of those games. Yes, they're away from home, but I think it just gives you a good idea of that, you know, even uh, Liverpool against Fulham. It took two goals in the last minutes to to win yeah. the game, let alone avoid defeat. So, yeah, Liverpool aren't aren't at the same um, strength as they were when they won the league, or or even I don't think when they pushed Man City 
both those times when they came within a point. But again, as I say, this Premier League is so, so volatile. It might not, you might not need to be fantastic to win this league. You might just need to pick up three points when you, when you play poorly. So having, having said all of that, you know, need to try and find something to, to, to get on side. And originally I thought Liverpool to win and Man United to pick up the most cards. That's 11 to 10. I thought that looked interesting considering uh, Liverpool are the second cleanest side in the league and Man United are the 10th the dirtiest. But actually, if you dig a little bit deeper, there's not a lot between them. Liverpool, 32 cards this season, United 35. So it just goes to show that there isn't, with Liverpool being the second cleanest in United, the 10th, 30th, there's a lot of teams in between. So the, the actual uh, num- number values paint a much better picture. And if you look in terms of fouls, Liverpool have committed the seventh most fouls in the league and United only the fourth fewest. Um, you look at the fact that United are going to be without Bruno Fernandes because of, sus- of a suspension. It's also they'll likely be without Casemiro, Martinez, Maguire and Shaw. Now that's 33 cards since the beginning of last season. And bear in mind, Harry Maguire never plays. He still managed to rack up a fair amount of cards. So I actually swung the other way and thought maybe a value bet here is Liverpool to win, but Liverpool to pick up the most cards. It's nearly seven to two. Um, and it's something they've won 11 games in the Premier League, Premier League this season. Three On three of those occasions, this bet would have won. And I just think with the increase in, in yellow cards, again, it creates a, a volatility. So this basically, the way it's being priced is because Liverpool are heavy faves, they'll dominate possession and it'll be Man United that get frustrated and have to commit fouls and automatically pick up yellow cards. But that doesn't factor in, you know, the the fact that dissent, I think, is up by 80% this season in terms of yellow cards being dished out. And that doesn't factor that in at all. And generally, if you get, you know, the market says that Liverpool are going to win this comfortably. In comfortable games, you don't get a high yellow card showing. So it is quite easy then for, say, Liverpool to pick up the odd yellow card say two and United to pick up zero or one and, and for, for Liverpool to, 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 to win this bet. And also if you consider the fact that Liverpool, you know, one of the reasons they are probably committing the seven most fouls in the league is because they're pressing so much and playing so high up the pitch that they immediately, they try and win the ball back and it's kind of win the ball back at all costs. And that will come with, with additional fouls. So that was one angle, another angle, which there's not a bet available at the time of recording, but I'm hoping something might go up is as Mark alluded to, and I mentioned as well, Liverpool haven't been fantastic. And basically as a result of that, They've ended up having to claim the most points this season from losing positions. They've won 17 games across all competitions. Seven of them have come from winning from behind. And I don't think it's conceivable that United could um, catch Liverpool on the break at the beginning of the game, perhaps when, you know, the game hasn't quite settled down. They still have a lot of pace on the break. And for United to take the lead. um, And if United take the lead early on, Liverpool will go out to probably odds against maybe I don't know if it's in the first half maybe 2.2 2.3 something around there but um, you could probably get Liverpool to win from behind at six to one and I just thought again that was another another route in but you know having said all of that if if United are playing almost a B team then then perhaps this is maybe not a betting contest and more of just a of a, of a watching brief as boring as that sounds however <laughs> Sunday is a fantastic coupon 
Well, it's worth bearing in mind that Betfair are getting into the festive spirit with their 12 Pays of Christmas competition. 12 Days of Christmas, 12 Pays of Christmas. This is classic stuff. Uh, they're offering a £90 free bet every day until Christmas Eve to lucky punters who submit their heartbreaking losing bets. All you have to do to enter is tweet your losing bet slip and use the hashtag 12 pays of Christmas to be in with a chance of winning. T's and C's in the description, 18 plus begambleaware.org. Uh, Mark, let's continue with the Premier League. West Ham against Wolves. Yeah, uh, expecting a decent game here. I think both teams to score is just shy of, of 1.8. Um, as we know, it, that kind of price is a, a bit of a rarity in the Premier League this season to get both teams to score up close to to 1.8, but even more of a rarity when the, the teams involved have a, a BTTS hit rate of 13 from 16, which is an 81% success rate for both teams to score in each of West Ham and Wolves' matches this season. Um, I think once more, once more, if you if you look at the um, the raw data, as I will do in, in this example, West Ham have kept just one clean sheet in 16. That came against Sheffield United. Wolves have managed just two clean sheets this season. West Ham have scored in all bar two matches. Wolves have scored in every game since the opening weekend against Man United when they really should have scored. So, you know, if raw goals data is your thing, then I don't think you'll find a more convincing or kind of overwhelming argument to support both teams to score at a price like that this weekend, home or away. But um, to kind of put a bit more meat on the bone, if you like, West Ham need a, a bit of a bounce back, really, from the, the Fulham thrashing where David Moyes was moaning about the schedule, his team having to play on Wednesday and then Saturday, having a, a day's less rest. But, you know, in truth, that wasn't really the reason why they were eviscerated by Fulham. Um, they they kind of chucked it in early, really. They lacked the intensity, the defence fell apart. But um, they still have taken 10 points from, from five Premier League games. They're, they're a confusing team, I've found, to, to work out this season, uh, to know or to kind of semi- predict what you're going to get from them. Um, but at London, London Stadium, they do tend to put their best foot forward. They are still a very capable group. They'll have a, a close to a full squad available for this match. And they've scored in 21 of the last 26 home games. And then you've got Wolves, who have taken four points from home games against Forest and Burnley. But I didn't think either performance was particularly positive. I thought both were actually quite underwhelming. Um, wasn't impressed against Burnley, where they scored the only goal of the game from a, a Burnley mistake. And conceded a lot of territory and chances and then they had to ride out a bit of a storm against Nottingham Forest at Molyneux uh, where Forest created the, the better openings and could easily have pinched all three points so I think we need a, an improvement from Wolves but I, I think this kind of fixture will we see the best of Wolves I think when they are kind of in that underdog category we've certainly seen it at Molyneux this season uh, away from home they're, they're not too reliable but I think going forward you've got Mateus Cunha now really kind of contributing consistently which is something he hasn't done so in the past in English football, you know, in his first 28 Premier League appearances, he played a, a leading role in just five goals. He's actually now scored or assisted in the last five Premier League matches. And then you've got Huang, who is contributing at a, a brilliant rate um, already, not just scoring, but also providing and assisting. And there's also hope as well that Pedro Neto could be involved this weekend, um, which would be a, a big, big boost. Won't start, but maybe an option off the bench. So, um, yeah, I think both teams score here. It's 178. Um, I think that's a really nice price. And Stinch, you were excited about the prospect of Arsenal against Brighton, I think for goals-based reasons as well. Yeah, well, uh, more, more so the fact that I consider this like 
almost a top six clash. I know Brighton aren't <clears throat> in the top six, but I do think they are a, a top six team in in, uh, in the making. I mean, I, I was looking at potentially backing them to to finish in Champions League uh, places at the beginning of the season, but the, the price wasn't enticing. And yeah, I mean, I, I've got no concerns about their league position. I think they've... And like a lot of Premier League teams, injuries have, have caught up with them, and, and the schedule of having to juggle the the league and, and Europe for the for the first time. But as a result of all of that, it means Arsenal are four to nine to to win to win this match. I, I don't think people should be sort of blindly like throwing that in, in accumulators and things like that. I mean, that's very short, right? Brighton been to Arsenal twice last season and won both games. So, and we know how dangerous they are. I think you know, yeah. Brighton are five to one. Like, I'm not advocating backing Brighton to win. But um, that, that that looks over overpriced to me. But for, as a result of all of that, it means basically that the Brighton are, are undervalued in this game, and it and it means that we can get both teams to score at one point eight, and that just looks absolutely enormous for a, for a Brighton match. I think this is easily the best bet in the in the Premier League this season. Uh, this sorry this uh, this weekend, um, both teams have scored in Brighton's last twenty Premier League games. Like that is just phenomenal, and that includes. It's a hell of a run. <laughs> Includes the likes of Sheffield United. Um, and that, I mean, that was an own goal as well. It wasn't even Sheffield United scoring that goal. Um, and you look at Arsenal at home, um, the last 19 games, which is obviously a, a whole season of home games in the Premier League. They kept just four clean sheets, which uh, it's got to be concerning for a team that are chasing the, the title. Um, so yeah, given the fact that I'd say Brighton won both games here last season in, in League and Cup, they scored six goals, three in both games. Brighton eight to fifteen to score, so eight to fifteen being increased to to one point eight by adding in Arsenal scoring as well. Just think, looks uh, looks fantastic. And to take it one step further, um, I also think both teams to score over one point five goals at five to one looks looks very chunky as well. Over three point five goals is eleven to eight. Um, so eleven to eight to five to one is a, a huge discrepancy. But with if we get if we get four goals, it just we would need it to be equally split for the for the bet to win. But I think it could be worth worth chancing. Um, both teams averaging over two goals per game um, across sixteen matches so far. Arsenal are just two to five, the same, similar to their win price to score two or more goals. So you could almost say that's a given. And Brighton are 11 to four to score over 1.5 goals. So 11 to four again to jumping up to five to one. Um, if you're a bit more adventurous, could be the way to go. But yeah, both teams to, to score looks fantastic. Um, and just quickly, if you remember a few weeks ago, um, because of the, the schedule of the season, we've had a lot of Sundays in the Premier League. We've had lots of games. Um, there was that, that mad Sunday where there was, um, lots of goals. Um, Villa were, were playing, I think away at Bournemouth, it was 2-2. Uh, City, I think it was City Spurs, that was 3-3. Um, anyway, there was both, both teams scored in all games and there's four games on Sunday and um, you could get all four games, both teams to score coming in at uh, six to one, which I think is uh, quite a nice thing to sort of uh, blindly cheer on. Uh, the other two games, are, sorry, the other game is Brentford v Villa, uh, along with the three we've already discussed. So again, you're not worried who wins. And yeah, given the increase in goals and injury time, I think that's quite a nice one to sort of blindly back in a way. And Mark, were you thinking along similar lines with this game? Definitely on both teams to score, absolutely, 100%. Um, I'd be a bit more negative on Brighton than Stinch, um, much more positive 
towards Arsenal. Um, this fixture has had a weird recent history where home teams have tended to, to fluff their lines. As Dinch mentioned, Brighton last season, the the 3-0 win at the Emirates in May is still quite vivid for me. It was kind of an exhibition of Brighton at their very best and at a time when Arsenal's kind of confidence was crumbling in the in the title race. Um, I think we'll see something very different this time around. Brighton are a shadow of the side we saw last season in that match, not just in terms of personnel, you know, two of the, the leading knights of Casado and McAllister have gone, but injuries have bitten them really, really hard. There are at least half a dozen frontline players missing this weekend. And I, I think circumstantially too, this match doesn't fall at the best of times. Arsenal were able to make major changes for the trip to, to Eindhoven on Tuesday. Big guns getting a, a breather. Arsenal having two days extra rest to Van Brighton, who have a home clash against Marseille on Thursday nights, which... If anyone wasn't aware of the significance, Brighton need to basically get a result in that game to avoid an extra round of knockout Europa League football in February. Um, now, De Zerbi has been resting and rotating his squad throughout European and, and domestic duties this season, but um, be interested to see his TG go to that game and who's kind of being prioritised for, for this or that match. Um, but yeah, like Newcastle on Wednesday to Saturday, I, I just feel like not just with injuries, but also the fatigue element, um, you know, has been a factor for Brighton, who, if you look at it on the surface, they've only lost once in seven, but they've actually only won twice in 10 themselves. They can, I think, be tricky to read at the best of times in terms of figuring out which personnel, which system Deserby's going to play, but they continue to be very consistent in terms of the goals and entertainment. Um, you know, I haven't kept a clean sheet in 20 Premier League games, but they have scored in the last 32, which is an outrageous stat in itself. Um, Deserby's record now in 48 Premier League games, 3.54 goals per game on average. Brighton scoring in 44 of those, including 22 of 23 away, 21 of which saw BTDS. So everything stacks up here to suggest BTDS is a brilliant play in the Premier League this weekend. But um, I also think Arsenal to win and both teams to score is worthy of a shout. It comes in at two to one. Um, I think that's a really nice price. Stinch has already mentioned the lack of clean sheets at the Emirates for Arsenal. Um, but if you look at their win rate, 16 of the last 20 home league wins included BTTS um, at the Emirates. So I think we'll get a, a positive response from them after the, the Villa defeat where I felt they got a little bit outmanoeuvred in midfield. Um, I was quite surprised to see Arteta field a, a three of Rice, Erdegaard and Havertz um, against what is well known to be a very strong, physical, energetic area of the field for Aston Villa, who basically flooded it with with McGinn and Douglas Louise and Kamara and Tielemans. And they got the edge there. And, you know, Zinchenko hasn't always been trusted at left back. And it was quite clear to see that the Villa goal came from his area of the field. So I'd be interested to see how Arsenal set up here, but I think he will have learned his lesson and um, I think they'll be ready to put on a show. And as I say, this, is, this isn't the Brighton of old, unfortunately. Um, and if you look at the underlying metrics, it's borne out that way too. They're, they're basically ranking as a mid-table team so far this season, which is a shame, but they have been absolutely crippled by injuries. Worth bearing in mind, Betfair is offering a completely free ACA on football this weekend. That's from the 14th of December to the 18th. Maximum free bet varies from £1 to £10 per customer. T's and C's apply 18 plus. Be gambleaware.org. And finally, Stinch, you've got a game from the Eredivisie for us. Yeah, big, big game at the, the top of the division. AZ Alkmaar against PSV. Eindhoven, PSV have won 15 games out of 15, going absolute great guns at the top of the Eredivisie. They're 17 to 20 to win, which I couldn't put anybody off. 
Um, if you go actually, if you go to the back end of last season, the last game of the season, they've won the last 16 matches, which was actually a repeat of this fixture, which they won uh, 2-1. Uh, you go a bit further back, they've scored at least two goals in the last 18 games. And you just look at the the firepower that, that they've got going forward. Uh, Luke De Jong, Till, Tillman, Hervin Lozano, Lang, uh, Ricardo Pepe, Joey Veerman, uh, some younger players, Bakayoko, Vitesen, um, Saibari. In the Eredivisie alone, they've amassed 47 goals and 34 assists between them. Like You can't play wow. all of those players. So if they're struggling or they need fresh legs, they bring them on and they're still a ridiculous attacking threat. Um, as I say, I couldn't put anyone off the the win price is 17 to 20, but I'm kind of respecting that in a way because I thought that might be shorter. So I don't know if I'm being too clever here, but I, I think I think I prefer backing PSV to score over 1.5 goals at 1.75 instead. It's only a touch shorter than them to win, but I'm not envisaging them winning 1-0. And with this bet, you don't you're not concerned about the outcome of the game just you need PSV to score two and then you know you move on so um, I'm going with that but yeah I couldn't put anyone off going for the, just the win there they're on <clears throat> they're they're on fantastic form and they're able to obviously rotate a bit against Arsenal midweek as well so um, yeah AZ are, are up there at the top of the league as, as they always are but I think PSV are in a completely different bracket to not just AZ but also to to Ajax and, and Feyenoord they're, they're going to win this league and absolute canter and uh, yeah how cool would it be if they could actually do something like 38 out of 38 or yeah. something would be incredible that would be quite remarkable. That's all we have time for on this edition of Football Only Better. Please do remember to gamble responsibly. Remember all of our shows on Betfair's new YouTube channel for non-racing content. So make sure you like and subscribe from Mark, from Stinch and from me. It's goodbye for now.